thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our midweek service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. good to be here tonight. It's good to see everyone here tonight. I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, uh, the, the weight of what God has put on my heart tonight is, is somewhat overwhelming. And, uh, and I, just, I, I, I just really want to get right, right into it. There's a, um, a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. I felt it even um, before, before I got here. But when I got into the prayer room, um, we had some brothers in there um, just pulling it down. And so... Uh, I'm excited. I, I, I believe that God is going to, uh, we, could, we could put the house lights up. Thank you, though. Thank you for that. Um, I'm, I'm excited tonight for the word because I, uh, I, I believe that there's going to be freedom and breakthrough for a lot of people here tonight. Um, and I just believe that God, this is this, really my message tonight is, is something that I feel is stirring and, and truly uh, the heart of God for our church and our season right now. So um, let, let me say this, and, and this is familiar scripture, but I'm going to read it. Uh, John 4.23 in in the Passion Translation um, says this. Jesus said, from here on, worshiping the Father will be a matter of the right, uh, will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit. And listen to this. He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. I read this commentary. I want to read this to you. Um, in, In spirit and in truth. The link between human nature and the divine uh, is in the human spirit, which is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. All true approach to God must therefore be in spirit. Place and time and words and postures and sounds and all the things from, from without are important only insofar as they aid in abstraction to the sensible world and an elevation of the spirit within. The moment they distract, they hinder true worship. I want to tell you that the the song service and and um, and kneeling before God and posturing yourselves before God those are all those are all great things those are all things that that we encourage, but understand that it, it's it's truly nothing unless the Spirit is being edified within you. And so we could go through the motions and really tonight I'm I'm going to challenge the religious spirit maybe that some of us carry. Uh, we could go through the motions and we could have we could have the look and we could have the talk down and and all of that unless. Unless you're connecting with God truly in your spirit, it's vanity. And so tonight, I I want to I want to um, show uh, I want to show a, a quick video real quick, um, and listen to this. Uh, what what I'm walking into right now, the 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 presence of God, the the anointing of God. Uh, understand that there were people, about 30 people um, here last night. You guys go ahead and play it. There are 30 people here last night in the parking lot praying for for each and every one of you guys. We can turn the volume up. There, there should be volume there. Turn it up loud. And so I was thinking about, I was thinking about that. Um, Brother Johnny sent that to me last night, and I was thinking about that, and I, I thought how precious that was, that, that there's people that will come out and intercede for you on behalf of you. Truly, they were here praying for, for what was going to happen here tonight. And so I really want you to understand that this is a holy moment and really reverence what God is going to do here tonight. Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so how many of us hunger and thirst for righteousness? Truly, how many of us are hungering and thirsting for, for righteousness? 
And so, and so listen to this. It's a promise of God that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that you will be filled. And I believe that there's people here that feel like you're empty, uh, feel like you're dry. This is a promise of God that we've just not, kept, we, we just not taken hold of. And I really want to, I, I really, that's, that's the core of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. My message, the title of my message is Consider the Source. And I want you to turn to, to your neighbor and say, Consider the Source. Consider the Source. So listen to this. Your prayer life matters. We're in the theme. We're in our theme this month of, of prayer life matters. And, and I say this every time, but I, I really want to drive this home. The theme that we're in this month um, was put on the heart of, of uh, some, of our, some of our leaders in our city and asked all of our churches to come together in unity and, and, um, and take on this theme. We had a, mayor, a mayor's prayer breakfast in which all the, all the churches came together. And we pray together. And so understand, understand what's going on here in this region, here in our city specifically. So our prayer life matters. Say that. Say that. My prayer life matters. My prayer life matters. As an individual, it matters. But I must say, prayer is a means to an end. And so a lot of times we, we, we approach prayer as something that we could get from God. But I really want to challenge that thought. And I want to tell you that prayer really cultivates you to be one, more and more like God. And so prayer is a means to an end, and that end is Christ. So the intention of prayer is that we would be one with him and then manifest the kingdom of God on earth. Did you guys hear me? That we cultivate a oneness and unity with Christ in prayer, and then we manifest the kingdom of God here on earth. And so when, we, when we're praying for God to heal someone, when we're praying for God to, to, to move and, and, and all these different things, understand that if we're Walking in oneness with the Holy Spirit and with Christ, we could bring heaven onto earth. I, I, I heard this last night, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll call him out. I know that Pastor Rudy and, and Brother Lucky went to, uh, went to go pray for uh, Brother Tony Ortega, and he's, uh, he's, in, he's in the hospital, and, and um, the story was that he was, he was, about, he was about to go. They were going to give him morphine drip and, and let him go. And our brothers were there and prayed that God would breathe into his lungs and he's back and he's alert tonight. He was alert last night and he's, he's alert today. And so understand what I'm saying is they, they walked in unity with Christ. They walked in unity with the Holy Spirit and pulled heaven down. And so healing took place. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61 1 says, uh, says this is the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus recited this in the temple. He says, uh, and, and this is what it means to bring, bring the kingdom of, of God here on earth. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. And so if anybody here is, is wondering, what is my purpose on earth? What am I supposed to be doing? It's this. You're, su you're supposed to be proclaiming the good news to the poor. You're supposed to be binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom to the captives, and releasing those from darkness for the prisoners. Amen. So my message tonight, like I said, is just really, really, really heavy on my heart. And I believe that this is something that I heard clearly from the Lord to deliver. And the Lord truly intends to communicate to people that are in this room that he desires nothing more than to love you and receive you. 
See, we make this, we make it really complicated. Religion makes it very complicated. Our own self-doubt and the, and the mind battles that we, that we carry around with us makes it very difficult for us to connect with God. And I'm going to show you how, how that's the deception of the enemy. The enemy wants to, wants to hold down the church, wants to hold down you as an individual, wants to hold down because if he can hold you down, then he's got your family. If he's got your family, he's got the community. If he's got the community, he's got the state. He's got the, he's got the country and so on and so forth. He's got the world. And so I really want to challenge those thoughts tonight. He wants to remove everything that impedes us from enjoying him fully. And so my message tonight is having a oneness with Christ and his ministry of reconciliation, which I believe is the heart of God. We all know this scripture in Matthew 18, 11, and we, I, I think we, we recite this, and it's kind of like a buzzword, a catchphrase, and, and things like that. But, but I'm going to read this slowly. Matthew 18, 11, it says this, For the Son of Man has come to save that which, that which was lost. And if you see there, is it there? Yeah, you see there. The root word for lost, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but it, it says fully destroyed or dead. We were fully destroyed and dead. Before, the, before Christ came and saved us. And that word save means to, to restore to health or to restore to life. And so the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. And that's the ministry of reconciliation. So I've entitled my message, Consider the Source, because I believe it can identify, I believe that if we can identify the source, it will then give credibility to universal truths that will build us up and give grounds to reject thoughts and mindsets that shape our belief systems and keep us out of, re- out of oneness and reconciliation with Christ. So listen to this. Jesus Christ is your source. We all say that, but do we believe it? Jesus Christ is your source. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, and we sang this song. It says this, For us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came, and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. I said Christ is our source. There's a story about, uh, we, we, all know the, we all know the scripture in Psalms 50.10, and we recite it, um, that, that God owns all the, all the beasts in the forest and all the cattle on all the hills. We all, we all recite that, right? There's a story um, about the Dallas Theological Seminary, and some of you may know, may know that institution. But listen to this. It was, uh, they were in a critical need of, uh, of $10,000 to keep work going. And during a prayer meeting, renowned Bible teacher Harry Ironside, a lecturer at the school, prayed, Lord, you own cattle on, all the, on, on a thousand hills. Please sell some of those cattle to help us meet this need. Shortly after the prayer meeting, a check for $10,000 arrived at the school, sent days earlier by a friend who had no idea of the urgent need or of Ironside's prayer. The man simply said the money came from the sale of his cattle. And so listen to this. This this is what I want to tell you. While you're in prayer, while you're cultivating a oneness and a unity with Christ, the answer is already on the way. And so God just calls us to stand in faith and wait. Tell someone to consider the source. Consider the source. So I'm going to get into a little bit of teaching here, and then I'm going to, and then and then we'll we'll really get into this. So, so how many would agree that information is subjective and or relative to the source in which it's coming from? Would you agree with that? That that the information that you're getting, how many of you know you could get on you could get on the web uh, on the internet. 
You get on Google, and you could ask it a question, and it's going to have a bunch of different sources. Some of them are going to be uh, uh, blogs that are kind of crazy. Other ones are going to be historical truths and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, so the information is subjective and or relative to the source in which it's coming from. So we wouldn't go to a broke person for wealth management advice, right? Right? We're going to go to someone that knows what they're talking about, right? We wouldn't go to a mechanic for a heart surgery, right? We're going to go to someone that knows what they're talking about, knows what they're doing. And so a lot of us are listening to thoughts that the enemy is placing in our hearts and our minds and believing those thoughts, believing those thoughts that you're you're unworthy, you're, you're not able to be redeemed, uh, that you've done things that are, that are uh, um, inexcusable, unforgivable. And so we walk in shame and doubt, feeling like we can never become one with Christ. And so we try working our way, coming to church, praying harder, crying out without understanding and receiving that God has called you as his very own child. So Jesus said regarding Satan, listen to this, listen to this. Jesus said regarding Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. A Latin proverb says this, a witness, a witness false in one thing deserves trust in nothing. False in one thing, false in all things. And so I'm telling you that some of us are believing the lies of the enemy. And it's prohibiting you. It's holding you back from really receiving and walking in the blessing and walking in the anointing and the giftings that God has placed in your life. You're still trying to, you're still trying to earn God's love, and he's, and he's trying to give it to you, and you're just not receiving it. So listen to this. I'm going to go through this fast. So if you're writing, you're just going to have to keep up with me because I don't have it all structured the way that I usually do. So listen to this. Satan is the deceiver. Satan's target is your mind. His weapons are his lies, and his purpose is to make you ignorant to God's will. Our defense is the inspired word of God. Satan is the destroyer. Satan's target is your body. His weapon is suffering. His purpose, to make you impatient with God's will. And your defense is his sufficient grace. Satan is the ruler. Satan's target is your, is your own will. Satan's weapon is pride. Satan's purpose is to make you independent of God's will. And our defense is the indwelling spirit of God. Satan is the accuser. Satan's target is your heart and your conscience. Satan's weapon is accusation. Satan's purpose is to bring an indictment to God's, to bring an indictment by God's will. In our defense is the interceding son, the son of God. So many of us are listening to, the, to these lies, the accuser, the, the destroyer, the deceiver. Instead of hanging on to the promises of God. I was reading this story, and there's so much here, I, I, can't, I can't really pull it, pull it all apart and, and dissect it for you. But um, many of us have heard of, of Balaam and Balak, 
right? Um, mo- most, um, uh, most common knowledge is, is the donkey that spoke, right? We, we, we know that story. So listen to, listen to what was going on here because I think we get, we get captivated by the miracle in which God, God did in, in the donkey, but we don't necessarily embrace the truth in which God is, God is revealing in his word. And so, so listen to this. In Numbers 23, 19, it says this, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Listen to what was going on in this moment. The children of God were going towards Moab. And the king of Moab saw them coming and saw that they were a mighty people and hired Balak, or I'm sorry, Balaam, to cast a spell or a curse on the children of Israel. This is where you find the story where, uh, where, where uh, um, the, the king sends his men to, to summons, to summons uh, Balaam. Balaam uh, says no at first and then, and then concedes to come. As he's coming, the donkey uh, is stopped in the middle of the road by an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord is telling him, don't go. And so, uh, so fast forward, Balaam actually ends up going. The, the angel of the Lord, God comes to him in, in a dream and tells him to go, and you're going to speak what, I, what I'm going to tell you. And so the king, the king of Moab, wanted a cursing to be spoken over the children of Israel. And God didn't allow it. God, God made the seer or the prophet speak a blessing over the children of Israel. And so listen to this. The enemy is trying to release curses and lies over your life. And God is not allowing. God's called you blessed. God's called you his very own. There, there's, there's, so much, there's so much there. So I want to talk to you about being, in, being uh, in oneness with God. John 14, 1, 1 through 14, we, all, we, we probably know this, this story. Um, I was going to pull out verse 6 only, but I, I realized um, we, we need context. We need to understand. Again, we don't need to run through things. And, and I don't believe that catchphrases and, and uh, recited, you know, small part, portions of verses are really going to do what, what God wants to do tonight. I believe that we need the word. We, we, we worshiped in spirit. Now we're going to worship in truth. And so I'm going to speak truth to you in which you can walk in. Listen to this. This is, this is Jesus talking to his disciples after he tells them that he's going to be crucified. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Listen to this. He's talking to, the, he's talking to Jewish people that have a religious mindset that from the very beginning of, of their life heard of God, heard of Yahweh. They, they understood all the, all the stuff. They, they knew uh, the, 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 the Pentateuch. They, they knew uh, the Psalms, all, all of these different things. They were religious a lot of us, myself, I, I was raised in church, and there was a time in my life where I was religious. I knew it here, but I didn't know it here. And maybe some of us here are the same way. So, so he's, he's challenging the religious mindset. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. 
If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? He's establishing truth here. He had not lied to them from, from the very beginning. From the, from the calling of the disciples, he had not lied. He had told them the truth has been, has been transparent and given them everything that, that, that they need and had not lied to them. And so he's reaffirming that truth right, right now in this dialogue. And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you, you also may be where I am. You know, the, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And so listen to this. There's, there's, there's what one, commenta- one commentator said is that there's an unconscious knowledge. I believe that we're walking around with unconscious knowledge of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying here is that you already know the way. And then Thomas, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? I think there's still disciples in this place that are saying exactly what Thomas said. Lord, we, I, I still don't understand. I still don't get it. We say, we say this a lot around here that, that there's, there's more that's caught than taught. I think that Jesus was looking for the disciples to catch on to what was going on here, and they just missed it. Verse 6, Jesus answered this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Unconscious knowledge. Unconscious knowledge. Think, keep keep that, that thought in your mind. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Here, here's another disciple. Here's, here's, one, here, here's me. In a, in, a time of, in a time of trial, in a time of challenge, I still, don't know, I still don't get it, God. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Listen to this. I believe that God's speaking this to, to someone right now. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at the very least, believe on the evidence of the work themselves. So Jesus is telling them, I've not lied to you yet, but if my word is not enough, Look at what I've done in your presence. Look at what I've accomplished in the places that we've gone. I believe that God is saying that to some of us here, that we're still doubting. We're still waiting for a move of God. We're still waiting for God to do something. And he's saying, look at what I've done already. If you can't believe the preacher, if you can't believe, if you can't believe your leader, if you can't believe the word, look at the work. There's evidence Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask, listen to this, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 
I think I'm done. So many times we come to the prayer meetings, and I love what's going on in our prayer meetings. I'm, I'm here most Tuesdays. I'm here most Saturdays. And we, we come to the prayer meetings, and they're awesome. I, I, I tell, I, I tell our, our prayer team every time that we're together that they are the lifeblood of what's going on. They're sustaining revival in this place. They're holding you up as you're out there toiling and in and, and, and trials and and uh, feel like you're barely making it, the prayers of your brothers and sisters are holding you up. And I believe that there's those that come to the prayer meeting that have really understood this, that you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying that those that are in the, prayer, in the prayer room, in the prayer meetings, I'm not saying that they're walking in, you know, in this in this supernatural blessing where God is just moving and, 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 and doing everything that they ask him to do at their request. That's not how God works. But they're walking in faith, trusting not only that God's going to take care of their needs, but he's also going to take care of your needs. So listen to this. I'm going to dispel some, maybe some confusion and doubt. So there are times in our spiritual life when there is confusion. Let's be real. How many times are we, are we praying? I, I think about this. I've had this experience in my own life. Why, I, I say this too. Why, why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? That's confusing. So there are times in our spiritual life when there is confusion, and the way out of it isn't simply to say that we shouldn't be confused. That's delusion. It's not a matter of right and wrong, but a matter of God taking you through a way that you temporarily don't understand. It's only by going through the spiritual confusion that you will come to the understanding of, of what God wants for you. So in Luke 11, it's the Lord's Prayer, and, and, and Jesus recites the prayer, tells them to pray like this, and, and goes through that. Right after that, there's two principles that Jesus teaches in regards to prayer. In Luke 1, 5 through 8, Jesus gave the illustration of a man who appears not to care for his friend. He was saying, in effect, and you're going to have to, you're gonna have to write this down and, and go back and read it. But he was saying, in effect, that is how the Heavenly Father will appear to you at times. You'll think that he's an unkind friend, but remember, he's not. The time will come when everything will be explained. Listen to this. Often love itself must wait in pain and tears for the blessing of fuller fellowship and oneness. When God appears to be completely silent, will you hang on with confidence in him? Luke 11, 11 through 13, Jesus said that there are times when your father will appear as if he were an unnatural father or a mean dad. As if he were callous and indifferent, but remember, he's not. Luke eleven ten says, everyone who asks, receives. So if all you see is a hopeless darkness right now, hang on to the fact that he will ultimately give you clear understanding and will fully justify himself in everything that he has allowed into your life. Listen to this. Many times in my life, I've been praying for a situation, and I've, a, I've asked God to, to do things, and I've, give, I've given God explicit directions. Do this, this, and this so that this will work out. 
How many of us know that God doesn't necessarily work like that all the time? And so on the other side of, of that, I've seen where God was either delayed or said no. And later down, the, later down the road, I was able to see the sovereignty of God and him not doing what I asked him to do. Jesus rebukes the disciples and tells them that you don't even know what you're asking for. Some of us are asking for things that are, are not for us. God doesn't want you to have it. And I, I say this all the time, God, God is always answering our prayers. God is always answering your prayer. God is always speaking to you. It's just we have selective hearing. Right? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear no. Listen to this. Your prayer life matters. Your prayer life matters. The ministry of reconciliation. I, be, I really believe that this is, this is something for those maybe that are here that, that feel like God is far from them. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. And I'm going to jump through some scriptures here, so just for the sake of time. We can, have the, we can have the worship team come up now. Yeah, we're good. The ministry of reconciliation. Verse 11 says this. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try, we try to persuade others. Listen to this. What Paul was talking about right here in verse 11, verse number 10, he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking about a time where each and every one of us will be judged for the deeds that we do in our bodies, the deeds that we do here on earth. And so from, from that premise, he says this, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. That reference, Psalms 111.10, maybe some of you know it, says that the beginning of all knowledge is, is to fear the Lord. So since then, since we know we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we know what it is to fear the Lord. And so we try to persuade others. We know the terror of the Lord. Now, listen, God is a just God. And the reason I say that is because we are going to be judged. My intention is not, is not to, to, to come up here and, and, and condemn you or make you feel bad about anything. My intention is to reconcile you back to Christ. Reconcile you back to God. That's the heart of the message. Verse 14 says, for Christ's love, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live to themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Listen, God, God made provision for your sin. God is not surprised when, when you fall. God is not surprised when you stumble. God is not surprised when you do something that you shouldn't be doing. He made provision for it. That's the exact reason that, that God sent Christ into this, into this world. And so many of us carry the burden of shame and the burden of sin, thinking that you messed up and there's just no, there's no coming back. The, the, the ministry of reconciliation. That is the reason why Christ came. 
And Christ wants nothing more than to reconcile you back to the Father. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Listen to this. I think this is going to free some people. The old has gone and the new is here. The old is gone and the new is here. The old mentality, the old, the old mindset, the old slave mentality, that's not you anymore. You're a new creation. Verse 18, all this from God who reconciled, listen to this, listen, to reconcile, I don't see it, there it is. To reconcile is to, to receive one into favor. God has received us back into favor. No longer are we enemies of God. No longer are we, are we separated for God, from God, but he wants to reconcile us and receive us back into favor with him. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.